Oh, Brexit isn't done and dusted despite the bill passing this week. What are the main challenges for 2020, do you think, for Brexit now? An awful lot of those preparations that we last year said were no deal preparations are actually deal preparations. So getting ready for customs formalities, regulatory checks at the UK ports, setting up UK agencies, issuing new licensing, developing new regimes. So there's a load of work to be done. However much the government might want to say, actually, Brexit is now done and dusted. Do you think that actually there's enough time to sort out that huge legislative agenda um, before the end of the year? It's, it's a major job, I mean, it's things that need to be done on things like, you know, just simply, for one example, sorting out the Northern Ireland Protocol. I mean, that's the protocol that basically says that when the UK leaves and at the end of the year, we actually have an arrangement for how goods will still be traded with Northern Ireland and Northern Ireland of the EU. So Northern Ireland's in this odd position of being part of the UK customs territory, but also being treated for some other purposes, though it's in the EU customs union. There's a lot of details, though, about how this actually operates in practice. And Bill, do you think that there is enough time? Well, I hear what Jill says. Actually, I think it's missing the point to a great extent for this reason, that this is a legal framework. It's about the acquis communautaire. It's about the whole of the European rule of law. And it is an enormous change. It's not just, oh, well, somehow or other, there's so much more to come. Yes, there is. But those are consequential matters. And the idea that we're not going to be able to deal with them and to negotiate with them and all the obstacles and roadblocks that people who actually basically never want to leave the European Union will erect in order to try to make and to think more sound more difficult, but also to derail the process. And there are but sort you, of, now you've got a majority that there's no chance of derailing the process in parliamentary terms. No, what, on, on a thing like trade and Northern Ireland, that's not a detail. How, how, how do you think that's going to be done in time? Well, I think that practically speaking, and this is really where, having been in Parliament now 35 years, I've seen things that people say, oh, it will take a lot of time or you'll never be able to do this. The answer is you do do it. And if you take the Good Friday Agreement as an example, people said it couldn't be done, it was done. The element of political will is something which is completely uh, absent from some people's minds, particularly those who are what I call lingering Remainers. Uh, Jill, you're not a lingering Remainer. You're, you're an independent observer. Do you think that it, it is just a question of political will or is there something bigger? I think political will has undoubtedly helped. But there are other things that do genuinely take time. Political will does not give you functioning IT systems. Political will does not make lots of businesses who still, even despite all those get ready for Brexit ads, were not registering, register and have their sort of software up to date and make those preparations. We're going to say, for example, that when we end free movement next year, there will be a new migration regime. So all those employers who depend on EU labour will actually have to look elsewhere. They'll have to try and recruit locally, domestically. Or if they can't do that, they'll have to try and bring people in from overseas, encounter the home office regimes. They may not be ready for that. They'll have to get ready to do that. We'd normally give them quite a long time to adapt. They don't even know the details of the points-based system. They don't know what you get points for, so they don't know whether they're workforce to be eligible. They'll have to be making job offers by June to get them through the system if they're going to be in place next. So there, I don't underestimate the value of political will and having a decisive government makes I, life I much say, easier. I didn't say it but just there are still will. implementation uh, challenges. As a person who has spent most of his life dealing with 
detail of drafting of legislation, but also in particular implementing it and understanding it. I understand exactly what's being said. But actually, that is the job of the civil service. That is the job of business to make their way through these various things where there are obstacles. The really important question, the one that I'm making very clearly, it's the same with the repeal of the Corn Laws, if I can go back that far. You know, you repeal the Corn Laws in 1846, and then there were a lot of other things that had to take place after that. What I'm saying is that once you've created the momentum with the political will and you've made the decision, as Jill said, regarding the question of principle and you've got that in legislation, then everything else has to follow and there is no going back on this. The actual deal itself, the new trade deal with the EU... MPs won't have a final say on that, whereas MEPs will. Isn't that the case? Well, actually, I think that's an exaggeration, to say the least. Well, formally, the deal will have to be ratified. Um, it depends on the sort of the deal. We have it ratified in the European Council, require unanimity there. It'll have to go to the European Parliament and then probably national and subnational parliaments. We remember that the Canadian deal was held up by the Parliament of Wallonia very Wallonia, famously. Yeah. Government's fighting its last battles. It's got a majority of 80 it would have got this through Parliament. What it's doing is giving itself the right not to be very transparent about what it's doing. The the documents have to come to our committee as well. All the matters which need to be looked at will pass through our committee as well. 